Welcome to this month's episode of What's Your Theory? It's the first one of the year, and for February, the focus is on Black History Month, specifically around diversity in the workforce. Uh, this is a continuation from last year's podcast episode on honoring Black History Month. And I'm here today with three fellow MTers. Before we jump in, I want to give a big thank you to all of you for raising your hand to participate in this episode. Um, I understand it's not an easy topic to talk about, so I appreciate you taking the time to discuss. Let's go ahead and start with some introductions. Could you please state who you are, what your role is at MT, and where you're located? Ashley, we can kick off with you. Absolutely. Um, so I am Ashley McLeod. I am a senior manager of paid social here at MT, and I am based out of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I'm Emily Simon. I'm a talent acquisition coordinator here at Metric Theory, and I'm located in New York City. Awesome. And I am Adam Edwards. I am the chief client officer here at Metric Theory, one of the original co-founders of the agency. Uh, and I'm located in Marin County, uh, California, just north of San Francisco. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and, and dive in um, into the state of our workplace diversity um, so one of the overarching themes in last year's episode was acknowledging how difficult it is to build a more diverse workforce. And so I'd love to hear how each of you think about this from your perspectives. Um, so how about Ashley, you kick us off. Absolutely. So, um, you know, being newer to the MT family, I can speak from previous experience within other organizations. Um, you know, I think that uh, really trying to uh, apply this question to my own experience. Um, I, I think I've been guilty of seeing diversity in the workforce through hiring as kind of a hands-off experience from a management standpoint, because at least in previous organizations, you know, the recruiter would feed me qualified um, resumes and I would go mostly based on paper, um, but really trying to acknowledge the fact that, um, you know, there's so much more that goes into the intentionality of building a diverse workforce. And at each point of um, the hiring process, they, we need to be intentional and not kind of push that responsibility onto maybe the recruiter or, you know, a further down the line interviewer. That's a good point. I do feel like uh, it does involve a lot of people in the process and maybe not everyone has that visibility into it. Um, Emily, curious to hear your perspective. For sure. Um, one thing that kind of is the most difficult, if I could use the word difficult aspect, is that these things take time. Uh, you can create all of these revamps and projects and initiatives, but um, you kind of have to wait to see those things through. Um, I feel, um, obviously, from the talent team's perspective, that we put a lot of active effort, like Ashley kind of mentioned, doing things intentionally um, into these initiatives. Um, to name a few, we're currently um, looking at different job boards that we can kind of post to, to kind of target a more diverse audience. We've been really supported by Adam and other members of the C-suite of putting a good amount of 
of money into experimenting with different job boards. We've looked at job boards that target um, women specifically. So an example like Career Contessa is a job board that we've tried. Um, diversityjobs.com is another great one that specifically targets a diverse audience for our jobs. Um, we also have a connection with OHUB, which is Opportunity Hub, um, where they, we work with them in an agency capacity where they kind of bring us um, really diverse candidates, which has been a really awesome experience so far um, working with the team there. Um, we've also been revamping our job descriptions just to make sure that they're in general a little bit more approachable to um, a wider audience. Um, LinkedIn also has released a new feature where um, when the talent team is sourcing, we have the ability to remove people's names and profile pictures. Um, this obviously helps with unconscious bias a, a great amount. Um, this way, we don't know anything about a person besides their work history and experience. And then once we go to message them or we decide that we like them, we find out the other information so we can kind of customize our approach. Um, but I think all these things, along with tracking metrics on a quarterly basis and make sure that we're looking for a culture ad, not a culture fit. So making sure that we're looking for people who challenge metric theories culture um, are important to remind ourselves that this is the reason why we're doing these things. And it might be difficult um, to kind of have things be a little bit more long-term projects, but um, we just have to kind of keep in mind that it will it will come to fruition in the end. And Adam? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I agree with everything Ashley and, and Emily said, you know, I, I think to the question of, how do I think about the the idea of acknowledging it's more difficult? You know, I, I think a lot of things are difficult that lead to to really you know positive outcomes, um, and I think that was part of the kind of larger educational process that that we all put ourselves through. Is that I, I think you know in in a lot of cases, companies hiring managers, executive leadership, it, it was kind of a, a POV of well, you know, look, we, we can only work with the, the candidates that are applying. And I, I think here, like the difficulty that stood out that was conquerable um, or at least addressable was, yeah, if, if you keep recruiting at the exact same schools for your analysts right out of college, if you keep using the exact same staffing agencies, the exact same job boards, then it is out of your control. So I, I think, you know, in terms of trying to tackle that difficulty head on, it was, yeah, difficulty means you need to do more work. And, and I think that was the important thing was acknowledging responsibility over taking on that work, right? Like, yes, we can't just say we want a more diverse workforce. We need to take steps that will require more time, more intentionality, uh, more education for ourselves to make sure that we are doing things differently in, in terms of where we place job listings, how we talk to candidates that, you know, that come in the door virtually looking for a, a job at MT, et cetera. Um, and so it's, it's really, um, that, that, that I think has been my, my biggest shift or attempted shift in, in mentality is yeah, lot, lots of things in, in business that have strong outcomes are hard. They're difficult. Um, that means you, you need to invest more time, better strategy, more intentionality behind it. Great. Thank you. Um, so I did want to jump into one of the things that we talked about, um, or was mentioned in the podcast last year. It was more so looking at stats of white identifying employees that made up the workforce in different offices. Uh, they ranged between 43% to 76% of the workforce being white identifying, uh, the highest being in Denver, I believe. Um, 
those stats are still being gathered for this year. We would love people to update their demographic info and work day if possible. This is information that wasn't transferred over when we uh, joined Workday, and that would be great information for us in the future uh, to be able to measure our DEI efforts and improve upon them. Curious to hear, um, are those numbers surprising to you? What um, are your thoughts on that? Yeah, maybe I can jump in. So, I, I mean, I think, you know, one uh, is a, a data-driven digital advertising agency. I, I think one of the important things that we did very early on uh, in, you know, our, our kind of recommitment to diversifying our workforce was we need to understand the numbers. You know, we are um, numbers people in, in kind of our day-to-day -day roles. Um our clients hold us accountable uh, based on numbers. We want to hold ourselves accountable in this arena um, around the numbers as well. And so in terms of the initial numbers, I, I don't know that they were necessarily surprising to us. I, I think, you know, the, the conclusions out the gate were not surprisingly, we had greater diversity in offices that were in cities that had greater diversity. Um, New York in particular, San Francisco to a lesser degree. Um, you know, our team diversity was not as strong in, in other cities. And that was a reflection of where they're at. And then I think the overarching theme across all cities was, yeah, there's room for improvement. Um, I think one of the things that we want to build on, you know, we decided, and especially at this point in, in 2020, we were not hiring at anywhere near the pace we were right now. Um, and so looking at just new hires, you know, or we might be bringing in, I think we had a six month stretch in 2020 where we hired th three new people. Um, that's very, very different than now, but we couldn't rely on just hiring data to assess, are we making improvements here? So to, you know, I can't help myself as a digital marketer, use an analogy on the digital marketing side. If you don't have enough down funnel metrics, you move up upper funnel so that you at least have the data density. And for us, what that meant was, okay, let's look at who's actually applying for roles. Let, let's at least see, you know, what, what sort of report card we get in terms of trying to improve the diversity of candidates applying. Um, and there we made some progress, right? So if we look at 2020 versus 2021 candidate stats. This is um, all applicants who volunteered th this information um, and went from basically 65% white to 54, uh, sorry, 58% white applicants. And we did see increases in the percentage of most major groups, um, you know, Asian applicants, Asian American applicants, Black applicants, um, Hispanic or Latino applicants. All of those percentages rose, uh, you know, versus in 2021 versus 2020. Um, so, you know, how, how do I reflect on that? Um, I think, you know, I think it's nuanced. I, I think too often these topics, these big complex topics are, you know, treated as a, a little bit of, you know, too, too black and white. I think the reality is we made progress. We made notable progress in diversifying at least the applicant pool that we had to MT. I think that's a reflection of increased focus, increased work, tackling those difficult challenges, great work by our talent team. Um, and we're not where we need to be. You know, we still need to improve on some of those numbers more. And we want to be able to get to a place where we're, you know, we have enough data that we can track it against actual hires and not just applicants uh, to the company. So um, that was a lot, but, it, you know, certainly um, I, I think if I were to sum, sum it up, 
we made positive forward movement, which is always something to be proud of. We have a lot more room to, to grow. Curious um, to hear from you, Emily, from the hiring side, how that those numbers reflect um, any efforts that you've been working on at the town side. Yeah, great question. Um, when I first pulled these stats, um, like Adam said, even with the stats from last year's podcast, um, even though I've only been at Metro Theory about eight months, um, I still feel like I can comment on this a little bit. Um, I wasn't surprised, but I, like Adam said, um, I think that there definitely is clear progress to be made, even though if it's the other groups are only going up a percent or two um, in terms of the exact number of applicants, that's pretty significant for metric theory sake. Uh, and I think it shows that we're at least moving in the right direction. Um, now that the talent team is growing, um, going from two to five people um, within 2021 and therefore metric theory is growing, I feel like these numbers are only going to change for the better for metric theory and eventually media monks as a whole. Um, I feel that with the initiatives that I listed before amongst everything else that the DEI committees are doing and partnering with the talent team and our recruiting efforts, um, I could see uh, 2023 statistics kind of going in the same direction, which is um, a really exciting um, thing to see. But like Adam said, you also have to acknowledge that there's a long ways to go uh, and I'm excited to see that happen. Great. Okay, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit and talk more about the perspective of newer hires. Emily, you mentioned you've been here about eight months. I know, Ashley, you joined more recently. How does MT's hiring for diversity compare to other companies you've been at in the past? Yeah, so uh, the agency that I came from previously actually got its start in print. Um, and so they made that shift to digital marketing, which uh, can be seen as a more forward-thinking um, vertical, but because they were born out of print, uh, I noticed in my time in leadership there, and especially moving to metric theory, they were still very much stuck in a more antiquated approach uh, to hiring in general, and I think that unfortunately very much affected um, diversity. Um, and so there was a lot of, uh, it was very much a monolith when it came to those who were around us um, and those that were being brought into the organization. I really appreciated when Emily mentioned a culture ad versus a culture fit. I think that my previous organization was much more about adding people who had very similar, um, you know, interests and experience and unfortunately biases, as opposed to how can we grow the organization in a way that we can, um, you know, affect real change moving forward. Can you elaborate more on how you see that affecting maybe your day to day or even coming as a, uh, from your experience as the manager, how um, that focus can change how, um, account managers work with each other, how progress goes on accounts. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, this might dip into some other areas, but I think um, Metro Theory's willingness and really um, embracing remote work, um, whether it was, you know, forced or not in the past couple of years, um, has led to such a diverse uh, set of viewpoints that, you know, in my very short time here, just 
you know, reaching out for help, getting not only getting uh, different viewpoints from different digital backgrounds, but different perspectives uh, regionally and culturally and beyond and seeing how we can all be uh, doing the same thing. You know, it might be paid search or paid social. And there are so many nuances to how we approach different things day to day um, based on our background that I think is very lacking if an organization isn't dedicated to that culture, um, culture ad versus culture fit. Emily, I know, uh, go ahead and walk us through your experience uh, applying for different companies, including MTV. Um, I was going to say, to answer the initial question, um, I can't really speak to other companies as Metric Theory is my first job out of college, but um, to kind of turn this question around to what I can answer is that um, DEI initiatives and efforts were really high on my list in terms of what I was looking for in a company. Um, and so I was interviewing at a few places um, my last few months of college. And something that I always asked at the end of interviews was, could you tell me a little bit about your DEI efforts? And um, it was something that I was really passionate about in college. And so it was great to hear Steph and Sydney, who I interviewed with, speak passionately about MT's efforts um, and the approach that they take. Um, but also these efforts combined with what they need to do better. I feel like a lot of times in interviews, people aren't very transparent and transparency is one of the things that I really appreciate about how MT recruits and basically uh, communicates with their candidates. And so I really appreciated how Steph and Sydney were able to see and show me where metric theory has gone, where they hope to go. And I guess just overall where we need to improve. And that really made me want to uh, join this team and kind of help with those recruiting efforts um, in general. And so um, unfortunately, like I said, I can't really comment on other companies, but that's my perspective when coming into metric theory. Thank you. Um, so I know you had mentioned, um, Ashley, about being more of a remote workforce. How do you feel COVID and the increasingly remote workforce has had an impact on diversity and how? Um, Adam, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a really important question. I think it's one we're still trying to understand and, and figure out. Uh, you know, I think a few things that we know. One, um, when we're able to hire you know, not in every state technically, but but most most parts of the country, um, in theory, it opens it up opens it up so that you you don't fall back on well, you know, our workforce is just a reflection of a city that happens to be not not that diverse, and so I think that's really helpful in terms of it giving us more agency to proactively recruit in um, you know in places that you know, again, all else being equal, we're just going to get more diverse applicants and more diverse uh, employee base because there are cities that are more diverse than some of the ones that we operated in when we were, a, a you know, an in-office company for the most part. On the flip side, I think there's also the, the kind of competing factor with that is, is there's also, you know, on the more standard typical job boards, right, you see this aggregation of well, almost all jobs are remote. So it's almost more focus on these major hiring platforms, these major hiring sites that, you know, I, I think part of the problem is harsh, but, but, you know, where again, it goes back to, well, then you're just doing the same things you, you always did, right. If you're hiring on these job boards and it's even exacerbating, like, okay, it's the same candidates who come from the same backgrounds who know about these job boards and know to be searching there. Um, 
you end up getting more of, of those people. So um, I think those are, you know, it, it, <laughs> probably oversimplify it. Like one factor that is very much in our favor um, and one factor, you know, not as much in our favor, you know, I, I think one um, uh, new city that we'd, we'd never hired anyone from previously um, pre kind of COVID and, and having more remote employees is Atlanta. And I want to say we've hired two, three different employees. I mean, not, not a ton, but like Atlanta as a city, uh, it's, you know, it, it's, growing really quickly. It's unbelievably diverse in a number of different facets. Um, I mean, we didn't have really any offices, even, even kind of geodiversity, um, more of a Southern influence and impact. Um, so I think that's one example of like, yeah, pretty quickly within the first, I want to say four or five months of us deciding to open up roles remotely and outside of our, you know, SF Denver, New York, Orange County, Salt Lake city. Um, we had hired a, a couple of folks from, from Atlanta. Um, you know, so I think again, that Atlanta is a city, good, good example of a place where we can improve that, um, at the same time. Yeah. More pressure to think outside the box in terms of where we're posting jobs. I'm curious if you have, uh, anything to add here. Emily? Uh, yeah, I don't want to completely repeat Adam's statement, <laughs> but very similarly, um, I think it's really important nowadays to have those fully remote options and just overall companies being more flexible when it when it comes to diversity, not just racial diversity, but um, working parents and people with disabilities, um, just having that overall flexibility and marketing that and being very clear in our job description that we have this flexibility, I think is really going to be a, a really important new wave. Going along with that, just being able to recruit from many different states opposed to the, the five geographic office locations we have um, just really allows us to tap into those top diverse talent regardless of location um, and I think that that's been really exciting I think hopefully um, once we kind of merge a little bit more into media monks we'll be able to go in more depth into other states right now we have 22 states that we can um, recruit from um, so hopefully that gr keeps growing and we can keep kind of tapping into those different resources um, Adam, I want to focus more um, on your perspective as a founding member of Metric Theory. How has diversity changed and transformed since you first began the company? Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I, I think the, you know, the honest truth is, is like for a lot of people um, in 2020, George Floyd, when George Floyd was murdered by Derek Chauvin, that, that was a watershed moment, right? And I think that was really eye-opening in terms of some of the larger societal uh, issues that that we have as a country with race uh, holistically, but also made us start to look a lot more closely at what we were doing as you know founders and executives running running a company. Um, where I think that was a general adjustment as well as yeah, you can't, you know, there's some things that are going to transcend work and, and personal life. And, and this was something, um, you know, this was something that everyone needed to reflect on and, and, you know, made its way, whether you personally wanted it to or not made its way into the workforce in terms of how it, you know, how it made people feel. Um, so with that all said, you know, I think it started with a lot of reflection. Um, I, I think for us, you know, look, we're four co-founders um, who are all white or, or, you know, many would identify, um, as white. One of our co-founders is, 
uh, half Hispanic, but, um, you know, I think there was that acknowledgement of, you know, that that's who we are. The, the, the best thing we can do to start is to listen. Um, and I think in those, that first week post uh, George Floyd, we did as much of that as possible. Um, and there were some, you know, I, I think really, it, it was particularly powerful for us to hear, you know, the, the personal stories from people we work with on a day-to-day -day basis, right? It, you know, someone who I worked with on accounts talking to me, talking to me about how as, as a young black man, like he, like all of his, you know, black friends had the talk with his parents when he was younger. And the talk was, what do you do when the police stop you for no reason? How do you act? You know, how do you have to keep your, your hands on the steering wheel? And I think, you know, that was just a, a really poignant moment of, yeah, of course, you know, I, I never had to think about something like that. I never considered that other people had to think about something like that. Um, and so, again, you know, it's, it's one event, I, you know, I would love to sit here and tell you, like, this is something that just progressed in a linear fashion over the, the, you know, history and development of the company. But I do think that was, was pretty monumental. Once we did reflect, once we had educated ourselves a little bit more, once we understood more, you know, not fully, but more, um, then we tried to transition that into action. Uh, and I think that took a lot of different uh, facets for me specifically, you know, I'm the executive sponsor on the DI action committee. Um, you know, I think hiring, training, delivering our digital marketing skill set in a more uh, robust way were, were the ways that we could contribute overall. Um, so, you know, I, I think a few of these were already alluded to, but one, um, I, I helped strike up that partnership with OHUB, Opportunity Hub, um, you know, who works with primarily HBCU students uh, to help develop skills of tomorrow, get them jobs within the larger and broader tech world. We uh, worked with them to sponsor five students to attend South by Southwest last year um, and uh, co-presented in a session um, on digital marketing and, you know, basically career paths in digital marketing and in a digital ad agency. Um, you know, I think that is something that, you know, in terms of even transitory impact on MT diversifying our, our workforce, we got actual analyst applicants out of people who attended those sessions. So that was one example. Um, Pay It Forward is a program uh, that I joined and, and kind of got some other uh, more senior MT folks to join, which is working with uh, and volunteering up time to uh, Black entrepreneurs with your, you know, your given skill set, which in my case is is digital marketing. So I got the opportunity to work with some uh, Black entrepreneurs on how should they think about launching digital media efforts. Um, one of them was was launching, not had launched an athleisure brand, reaching diminishing returns on, on just kind of organic sales. And she wanted to understand how and where she should put, you know, put her dollars to, to kind of grow site traffic and sales. Um, and, and so again, utilizing our professional skill set in, in digital marketing. Um, you know, and, and I think some of the hiring initiatives were were well um, well documented earlier in the the podcast. Um, you know, and then I think Jeff. I you know I should mention Jeff obviously as as our chief people officer. Uh, you know, helped with beefing up the DEI subcommittees overall, bringing in uh, Elder Jackson and James McCleary to run uh, sessions on um, race in the workplace, on unconscious bias. 
Um, we adjusted those job postings for inclusivity. We started actually measuring, uh, you know, the data that I alluded to earlier. Um, you know, we started the MT Together newsletter. Um, even this podcast, What's Your Theory, uh, was an output of all of that. So um, I rattle off all those things just to say, you know, not, not necessarily, again, like pat, pat ourselves on the back. It, it, it's been a lot of work. And what that's resulted in, again, it goes back to, we've made progress, but it's, it's small progress and not enough. So I, I think, you know, I bring up all those things really to say, I, I think we get and, and have processed now. Um, it is difficult. It is worthwhile to invest that time, to invest that, uh, you know, those hours, that expertise to engage in, in all of these programs, um, you know, and in terms of the overall impact. Yeah, it, it, we made progress in 2021 over 2020 and years past. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's going to take a whole lot more work to continue to improve on those things. Thanks for sharing. I'm curious, um, you mentioned like the pay it forward program um, and the involvement in South by Southwest. Is that something that our current employees can get involved in? Um, pay it forward. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I think the. Um, the demand has died down. That, that was a program launched by the CMO of Bombas. Um, um, so I believe anyone can sign up for that. I don't, you know, my, my name is still on the list. I don't know that um, there's a ton of volume more recently. Um, OHUB, you know, I, I would certainly encourage uh, anyone who's interested to, um, to, to volunteer their, their services, certainly. I, I do think, you know, right now we're working with OHUB um, to actually source candidates. So I talked earlier about we need to change up the way that we're doing things and who we work with to source candidates for, for hiring initiatives. So they are effectively working as a talent agency specifically for uh, Black digital marketing talent for us. Um, and that's, as you might expect, mostly guided by our awesome talent team. Um, but there might be future opportunities uh, if, if you know, anyone has ideas on how they could contribute, um, definitely reach out to me. You know, I, I still check in with uh, OHUB leadership on a, a pretty regular basis on new ways that we can work together. So what have you seen companies do well in terms of workforce diversification? Um, Ashley, you want to kick us off? I think it, um, you know, it's, recognizing that it is an ongoing and continuous process and that there are, uh, are so many opportunities to kind of dismantle ways of thinking and systems that we had in place that as we learn um, that they were born and formed out of biases. So I think that, you know, there are a lot of companies that have maybe had a great start or they have you know, made some maybe more public announcements that um, that show that there was some sort of mindfulness uh, before that, in advance of that decision. Um, but it's really the companies who day in and day out are recognizing um, and reorienting themselves um, into more um, diverse and inclusive ways. How about you, Emily? Yeah, I completely agree and support everything Ashley said. Uh, to take it in, I guess, another direction in terms of tangible 
quote unquote things that um, I see companies do. Obviously being in recruitment, I spend my hour or so just poking around LinkedIn. Like I think the rest of the talent team does on a weekly basis and just being able to observe um, other companies initiatives and what they're kind of, like Ashley said, announcing that they're doing. Um, one thing that I would love to see um, metric theory or performance monks or uh, whatever do down the line is have a designated DEI team or a chief diversity officer, um, usually part of an L&D or learning and development team under the broader um, people operations umbrella. Um, so obviously there are a lot of benefits of having a full-time person in charge of these things. Um, obviously we all have other jobs. And so having someone who puts in that consistent and active effort into making sure that we have diversity trainings and speaker series and um, constant opportunities to get involved, I think would be a really exciting next step for um, all of us. And so I've seen a lot of people, a lot of companies our size or even larger and more of the medium monk size um, coming out with um, announcements of chief diversity offices or associates, um, things like that. That's um, a DEI team that does that full time. Um, going along with that, I think new and innovative um, ERGs or employee resource groups, um, based on what the employees are saying they need. Um, we've put out um, a culture survey, and I think there's going to be a lot of similar surveys through CultureAmp that will come out later, kind of trying to gauge what our employees want to see and what they need and what they want. Um, and I think having those new innovative ERGs is something that um, companies are really advertising and making it a part of their benefits. Um, and I think that that'd be really awesome for Metric Theory to be able to have and be able to market as well. Yeah, I agree. I think there um, is a lot of opportunity there to grow our DEI involvement and MediaMox is so big that there's a larger group that we could get involved in and discuss and have these conversations with. Okay, cool. So let's kick off with um, talking more about the hiring process. One of the things mentioned in last year's podcast was less visibility into what kind of outreach is being done with the analyst program. Um, Emily, could you give us a little bit more detail there? For sure. Um, one of the main things that I do in my role now is recruit for our analyst training program. Um, I've owned this program since the summer. Um, this January class that started a few weeks ago was my first class, so I can only really speak to what I did this last class and what I plan to do this coming semester with our June class. Um, but one really exciting thing is kind of building stronger relationships with HBCUs. Um, we had our first career fair with an HBCU last semester. Um, actually earlier today, I spoke with some individuals at the Career Center at Howard University to basically see how we can engage better with their students. Um, we've learned that in this virtual environment, career fairs are a really good start, but it's not really um, sustainable and creating those relationships with students. So kind of trying to be creative and figuring out different ways to engage, whether that be lunch and learns or guest lectures and have some people from the team go to different schools, either virtually or in person and be a part of a panel or be able to give a lesson or anything like that. Um, so that was really exciting to talk to um, the individuals of the career center there earlier today. Uh, overall, just diversifying our sources of talent. I know that Adam kind of spoke about this when we talk about um, our hires outside of the analyst program, but obviously we want to look to there as well. Um, 
Also a, another part of kind of connecting with colleges is doing specific events with their diversity offices. Um, diversity offices on college, college campuses are becoming much more involved in the recruitment process and much more involved with the career services offices in getting their students full-time offers by the time they graduate. Um, we have an awesome relationship with the University of Colorado and we have for many years. Um, we did an event with their Office of Diversity Affairs last semester and we plan to do one again this semester. Um, that was really awesome because it was much more of an intimate and relaxed opportunity for students to get to know some members of MT and vice versa. Um, one thing I do like to mention here is that one thing that I really love about this program is that it's truly entry level, not just saying that's entry level, but then requiring like three to four years of professional working experience, which I know as a entry level person is extremely frustrating. Um, and so it's a great thing because even if we counted internship experience into total years of experience, most black students don't have the same opportunities throughout college that their white counterparts have. So asking for basic soft skills, data analytics skills, uh, a proven interest in digital marketing and enthusiasm, um, we're really making it easy to market this opportunity to students at HBCUs and other colleges that I'm working to be a part of uh, a relationship with um, because it's something to be really proud of that I can say wholeheartedly that this is truly an entry-level program. Um, and I think that that's really special, especially nowadays when um, recruiting younger talent. I'll just say we hire, I think last year was a record year and we hired just shy of 40 analysts, maybe it was closer to 35 analysts on the year. Like that's our biggest category of hiring. It, that makes it our, our biggest or one of our biggest opportunities to, to make, you know, make a dent, make a difference um, and track our progress year to year as well. So really excited to have the analyst program in a lot of ways be, be kind of helping us lead the charge. I'd love to hear from y'all what you find most difficult uh, in the aspect of recruiting? Yeah, I can lead off here. You know, we touched on it a bit already. It, it, some of it is just breaking old habits, right? It comes back to what I was saying up top of it, it's difficult, right? Like it, it is challenging because you need to do things differently than the way that you've done things that you think work up to this point. And so you know, again, it, it takes extra time to research new job boards. It takes extra time to set up and build a relationship at different universities, you know, or someone like University of Colorado Boulder, you know, we know different marketing professors there. We come in and speak to their, you know, their marketing classes. We, you know, we have a, a really steady pipeline and, and that's awesome for us. That's a, a you know, a competitive advantage, um, but it's easy in relative terms because it's what we've done. So I, I think the breaking of old habits um, is, you know, is part of that. I, I think one other quick example that Emily just brought up is, yeah, for people right out of college, you know, we would look at it was by, you know, by no means the most important element or even second or third most important element, but we did look at internships, right? We did historically say, yeah, we want to see, you know, we're more excited all else being equal with a candidate who has a bunch of business or even ideally marketing, digital marketing internships. And to Emily's point, that is a form of privilege, you know, that is a form of privilege to be able to do for me in particular, to call myself out. Like I got to do unpaid internships in Washington. I don't think unpaid internships should exist for anyone. Um, but that's a, a whole different topic that we don't need to dive into today. Um, but that was a form of privilege for me was that I was able to do that. You know, I, I did, you know, I worked paying jobs over the summers to, to get a little spending money, but 
my parents supported me not doing that during the school year. They wanted me to, to focus on building up my resume and putting myself in a better position. And I, I think that has been part of the education and acknowledgement of, yeah, maybe that's not the best thing to weigh at all, even if it is the second or third or fourth most important thing, because that is, you know, inadvertently kind of a, a at least socioeconomically discriminatory thing, because there are a lot of people who can't afford to do unpaid or even lower paid internships. They need to be um, taking on the highest paying job they can during their college years. So overall breaking old habits, um, I, I think is important um, and is one of the, the hardest things to do, but um, has resulted in some of those improvements we've seen. To kind of take it in another direction, like I kind of mentioned before about how we're trying to target new audiences, because of that, we have to kind of re-examine our approach, um, specifically in sourcing. Um, we, you know, we source and unfortunately it's just hard to get an answer sometimes. So we'll find this perfect person um, doing things the way that we've always done it. And so I think what we're trying to do now is figure out different ways to source in different places to source and then going along with that creating new templates uh testing new subject lines basically just trying to make metric theory stand out and getting people to open our messages um as we know the market is absolutely insane right now so people are getting multiple emails a day so just trying to make ourselves stand out in those 1900 or whatever characters we get um, is something that we're really working on at the moment um and so to summarize if we're trying to target new audiences, we can't be using the same approaches that we have been for the past few years, I guess. Um, so I guess just kind of revamping our internal structures a bit. Um, it's not the most difficult aspect of recruiting, but it's something that we've noticed that um, we think we need to change, which is a big overhaul. So I would say it's more of a bigger project and not as much, I wouldn't use the word difficult. As white employees, what are some of the benefits of an increasingly diverse workforce. Yeah, I, I can maybe lead off here. Um, you know, I, I think the, the most important thing, uh, you know, to me is it, the, the reality is this is not just something that's important because it's the right thing to do, that's important because it makes us feel better about ourselves. It's good business too, right? I, you know, there, there's study after study, stat after stat, I mean, pull from, from public companies, publicly traded companies, companies with more diverse boards have generated better business performance, right? And that it kind of transcends all forms of, you know, gender diversity, ethnic diversity, et cetera. Um, so I think that's the, you know, one, one of the big, big things I, I always want to emphasize is this makes us stronger as a business, in addition to it being uh, in, in so many ways, the right thing to do. Um, Overall, uh, I think the only thing, other thing I, I want to add briefly on that is that's especially true for us as marketers, right? Like we are responsible for putting ourselves in the shoes of people who are shopping for cloud software and organic lip bomber and, you know, ski jackets and, uh, you know, personal finance tools, like so many different things. Uh, one of our very first clients at Metric Theory was a cosmetics brand that was, you know, it was lower price point geared at, at teenage girls. Um, and the first three people who managed accounts for MT were all men. It was uh, myself, Jeremy, and one of our other founding team members. And I remember it was my client. I was writing, you know, some sort of outrageous uh, ad copy. 
And fortunately, Amanda Ferrante, our chief revenue officer, saw it and, and basically, you know, laughed me out of Ken's uh, apartment, which was our, our first office, um, and set me straight on like, what people, what teenage teenage girls who are, you know, buying lipstick might actually want to know about in an ad. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's a, a funny anecdote, but like, it really does hammer home the point of yeah, we, we, you know, we work on a super wide range of clients with a super wide range of audiences themselves. Diversity is literally critical to us being as strong as possible as a digital ad agency um, in terms of understanding different, different audiences, um, what's going to resonate, being able to put ourselves in, in those different shoes. Um, I'd love to tap into that a little bit more and talk about um, other ways that we can get that kind of brainstorm going for these types of accounts, just like you mentioned, maybe getting the right voice for the audiences that we're reaching. Any ideas there? I'll jump in. Um, so, you know, I think, I think the first step in that is recognizing that we're not the right voice. While, while Alan was speaking about trying to, you know, uh, advertise, make ad copy for, for you know, a, a teenage cosmetic product. Um, you know, I'm currently onboarding a go-to-market skincare company that, um, you know, found a need within biracial complexion. And it was such a privileged aha moment for me realizing that primarily I'm, when I'm being marketed skincare, it's probably formulated for my you know, Eastern European skin. And that was something that I was not aware of, you know, because of the spaces that I've seen myself in, in my life. And so, um, you know, recognizing when we aren't the best voice, you know, we're talking specifically within the context of our day-to-day -day here as marketers, but I think in other spaces too, you know, instead of thinking we can fit ourselves to the need, um, being aware when we need to step back and invite others into the conversation because we can't and shouldn't have all the answers. I'm going to jump into our final question. Um, as we integrate into the Media Moss organization, how do you see diversity becoming more prominent? And to add to that, what opportunities do you see for us to expand our discussion around diversity? Um, Emily, do you want to kick us off? For sure. Um, Diversity will definitely become more prominent. Um, obviously with a larger organization, we'll have more opportunities like we kind of mentioned earlier, which is really exciting. Um, just being able to do things with other internal teams at Media Monks, um, you know, getting to know their diversity initiatives, maybe then joining ours every once in a while. It'd be awesome to have them like be a part of this podcast every once in a while, just to get different perspectives since they are a global organization, just even being able to talk to people from other countries um, when we're talking about certain issues like this, I think it's going to be very beneficial for everyone involved. And overall, just opening up the conversation a little bit more is a really exciting prospect. Um, I think it will continue to be prominent um, in larger organizations like Media Monks, meaning uh, DEI initiatives. Um, the effort to create a more diverse workforce is not something that's gonna like die down or go away. It's not like a trend. And so instilling it in the organization's culture and our structure, I think, is only going to be more and more beneficial as time goes on. Um, not to speak for all of Gen Z, but DEI initiatives are becoming more and more important to younger people. Uh, what our culture is like is one of the 
most common questions I get after analyst interviews. And so I feel like the more forward we are about our efforts and where we need to do better, the better it will be for us both to gain that diverse workforce that we're seeking. And I guess just get to see all of these projects and initiatives kind of grow over time. Yeah, I really, you know, don't want to belabor it. I feel like Emily touched on some really great points, but I think giving us more diverse viewpoints, because I think as much as we can focus on diversity, it is still within the context of, if not our immediate geography, within the contents of the United States and recognizing that, um, you know, though the, the media might not position us that way, we are not the whole world. <laughs> and so, um, allowing us to uh, be exposed to so many different viewpoints um, from, you know, literally within a global sense and really breaking us out of our comfort zone of being maybe big fish in a small pond in some ways. Um, and then also opening up resources that wouldn't be available to us previously. Yeah. And I'll, you know, I can just wrap up by saying, I, I do think it, it, it's the increased resources, right? It, you know, I, I, I think a lot of what we talked about was some of these things that requires time, money, and effort um, to, to push these things forward more robustly. And the reality is we have access to more of those things at Media Monks, right? Even, I'm not sure if it was Ashley or Emily earlier referencing, like, what could we be doing more of going forward? What what, what do we need? You know, full-time uh, DE&I role. Um, we have that. Uh, Cameron Hack is a senior director of global DEI for Media Monks. We haven't had an opportunity to work as closely. We're still obviously in the process of migrating the overall website, you know, our, our name uh, over to Performance Monks, all, all of these other um, integration elements. But that, you know, transitions know what, what I'm most excited about is, is we do have these more robust resources to tap into within Media Monks to really expand on, on what we've been doing. Um, and again, put even more of a focus on it. And to the point made a second ago, like we have a lot of employees who are really eager to jump in, uh, who are really eager to be more participatory here. I think it'll be a greater opportunity for employees who want to do so as we get further integrated um, with Media Monks as, a, as an organization. Um, so I, I'm really bullish on all of that, really excited about all of that. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for, for the time and for the conversation. That was great. Hey, it's Olga. If you're interested in joining our DEI committee, you can find us on Slack at hashtag DEI-committees. Also, we're in desperate need of somebody to create some intro and outro music for the podcast. If you're interested, please reach out in the Slack channel as well. Thanks so much for listening to this month's episode of What's Your Theory? We'll see you next month.